0: Welcome to the pod pod. It's your boy Dossie here talking all things AFL fantasy on this Wednesday night, June 18th. Oh, June 28th. That is 2023. Oh, glad it's not June 18th because we are out of the buys now and I'm joined by my esteemed co-host, the PodPod OG, Louis, along with our duo of two-time top 10 finishers, John Harmy and Kyle Holmes. And we're going to be here with you for the run home in AFL Fantasy. Whether you're going for that luxe, a hat or maybe just some pride, we've got you covered. Let's talk about the round that was the final round of the buys. Finally, Louis, we've hit the light at the end of the tunnel.
1: Finally, mate, I know it's uh, probably been a little bit easier than previous years, but at the same time, I think um, it did throw a spanner in the works just having to manage just that extra buy around that we weren't used to in previous years, but we're at the back end now and I think most teams should be uh, looking at not a completed side, but a team that looks a whole lot better than what they went into the buyers with and it's now time to start making those little adjustments to, to really sail home and improve your ranking.
0: How good did it feel to bring back on those players that were in that round 15 by there? Harmy, you, you enjoying a full squad now?
2: Absolutely. And when I put them all back into place, so I was just hoping that I hadn't stuffed up and had too many defenders or forwards or something like that. So, no, it all came together okay, mate. Uh, thanks.
0: And feeling good yourself there, Holmesy, as well. Ready to attack this last bit of the AFL fantasy season. And, uh, well, you're probably looking forward to 2024 already, aren't you?
3: Nah, mate, looking looking all right. I was uh, was excited to bring everyone back on and, you know, potentially complete the side this week and Elliot Yo decides to hurt his hip, which means it's going to be a sideways trade and oh, who knows where we'll end up this week. So, it's, you're never up for too long in fantasy, So, but nah, it's not, not too bad. We knew the risk taking him on, so it just is what it is.
2: It's kind of cool though, isn't it? It's like another curveball for the season for us to, you <laughs> kind know, of to cool. mix it up.
3: <laughs> it's like a re—it's
1: like a reset back to the pre-season when we all started panicking uh, pre-round one. And Dossie, you said it's on the uh, the home stretch, but it, it's hard to believe that just a fortnight ago we're only halfway through. So you know, it's round sixteen we're coming into, but obviously we've got round twenty-four this year with the gather round. So it should be an interesting next two months.
0: I can't bloody wait, mate. I can't bloody wait. But, I mean, that's so funny, though, considering our teams. I mean, many of our teams are already getting close to, you know, in brackets, in in quotation marks, complete. So, I guess the next few trades or these next kind of few weeks of our trades are going to be really critical to getting those final big dogs for these next couple of months. Looking forward to every moment. But let's recap the round that was first and, and go back to that final buy round. And I want to hear how you went first, Louis.
1: Yeah, uh, not too bad. Uh, I thought I was really going well. And then there were uh, some teams that just absolutely sailed home with some big scores in that last game. But I scored a 2044, which is some pretty cool territory to be in when you're considering that it's just a top 18 for the scoring, which brought me into rank 3,618. So oh, three looking scores. at about a, you know, 3,000 improvement over the buyers or thereabouts. Um, now, I'm sure Harmy will keep track of that as well because we're quite close
0: together, but now I'm pretty happy with the buy rounds overall. No, that's a, that's an awesome rise and I've seen you having I mean this is probably unfortunately one of your lower rank uh, one of your lower scores when you're actually being able to come on the pod. We've been relaying your scores when you haven't been on here and they've been some monster scores for the round. So, yeah, good effort across the buys. Lou, have you been tracking those scores Harmy and how was your final week of the buys?
2: Uh, Yeah, yeah, I've sort of, well, Louis just put 600 uh, ranking points on me over the buy, so he's done bloody well there. Um, My week wasn't too bad. I came up with a score of um, 2071, so ahead of you there, Luke, which brought me in about 700. Positions, so I'm sitting at uh, four two four three um, at the moment. So I think I must have gone up about two and a half thousand positions. I think over the course of the four four buy weeks. Um, So Louis, you must have been about three thousand up, I reckon, um, based on that.
0: And finally, Holmesy, how was your buy round planning this year? Did you do your usual jump during the buys?
3: Yeah, capped off pretty well, Dossie, and. To be honest, I made some pretty shocking trades throughout the buys as well. Not shocking, but probably not the ones I should have made, but had a 2107 this week. Uh, That actually brought me up another 1,800 spots into 6,416, which is pretty good considering I started the buy rounds at 13,2. So, I've halved my rank, um, things moving in the right direction, and, yeah, fingers crossed I can keep going. Uh, But, yeah, there's some pretty good teams out there. So, yeah, just fingers crossed.
0: Unbelievable. Yeah, that's a great rise for old Holmesy. Getting back to his old ways in uh, being an actual good coach on the show. So I appreciate that from you, Holmesy. Uh, Dossie to round out the scores. twenty forty nine this week, which um, surprisingly was a good score. I think it was an 8,000 round rank for me, which very, very good scenes. Um, unfortunately, we'll, we'll talk about some results that didn't go my way in a little bit, but... I need that drum roll back again this week because people are wondering, did I manage to break the rankings drought and and was I able to push in to the 20,000? Have they released the shadow ban on my account following my claim to the Lux earlier this preseason? Well, I'm here to tell you, drum roll please. I am now ranked 321st overall Plus 18,000. But um, look, it's been a journey and I'm now inside the top 20,000, guys. Thank you. Thank you. It's only Harmy that's clapping up. I could have used a bit more from you guys, but yeah, it's been a journey. I'm finally inside the top 20K and looking forward to my rise toward that lux once again. Speaking of luxes, let's talk about them for this week. You know the lux is mine from the start. Louis, who wins your lux for the week?
1: Uh, Look, I was going to give it to the obvious one, um, but I'm sure somebody else will bring that up uh, later on. But I'll just pay respects to Errol Goulden for his 145. uh, Probably wasn't going to be a guy I was going to select in the preseason, but forced my hand. Uh, Ended up being a good pick early on and dropped those two 150s, 160s and dropped off a little bit. And part of me thought, oh, maybe he's just going to return to being a 90 to 95 guy, but he's Very much established himself now, 145, can't complain, uh,
0: top six forward all the way, and uh, it's been a very good pick. Yeah, we won't talk about how the Mighty Weagles um, went in that game, but he certainly showed up to play and feast on those fantasy points that were on offer. Harmy, your likes for the
2: week? Uh Look, I think I might have to leave my number one to you there, um, Dosby. But I also quite like the game of Wilday. 116 points uh, for the Hawks here. A bit of a mixture of um, on the ball and on the back flank uh, in James Sicily's absence. But. I held him through where a lot of people jumped off. Uh, so, yeah, I was really happy with his um, score of 116 there. And I think the Hawks don't have too bad a run coming up. So, happy enough to to hold him. And comes in handy with another um, out this week in Elliot Yeo. So, I can flip him back because he's been in my midfield. So, bringing a midfielder, which is probably not too bad a result.
0: Yeah, I was watching that game. Just ran right in the midfield for a little bit. And then they switched him back and he was feasting. Um, on those plus sixes back there and just playing loose in defence, as you said, in that Sicily role. So, that was pretty good to watch. Holmesy, likes for the week.
3: Yeah, and no, I'm going to go with uh, Christian Petrarca on the Thursday night. So, he was always going to have a, a better role uh, with Clary Oliver being named out again. But a 125, I didn't think he'd do that down at the Cattery. It's generally a pretty tough matchup. So, for him to get that done on, Friday, on Thursday night as a bit of a unique was a, a good way to start the round. And, of course, for me, my Lux
0: for the week, he's back. Cue the music, please. It is the GOAT. Braden Fiorini, Stewie Jew, came to his senses, popped him in the guts, and, boy, oh, boy, wow we saw 115 points from the GOAT. He does that every time he moves into the midfield. Holmesy, why doesn't he play there more often?
3: Yeah, that's a good question, Dos. But I'm actually, I'm a, I'm a little bit confused. Um, so you've given it to Fiorini, but I've got the first uh, who said what segment for for the for the day today. So I want to just go back to the 11th of April. Uh, this was at 6:20, and I've got some trades here. So someone's come into the into my DMs and and show me their trades, and he's got Matt Rao to Jordan Dawson, and then Jinbi to Tucker. Who do we think those trades were, boys? Louis, any idea? Oh, uh, uh, Screams Dossie. Yeah, you'd be right. So, so Dossie, why, why haven't you given your, your plus three to Jordan Dawson? You've surely got him, don't you? <laughs> ah,
0: very good. Very good, Holmesie. Um, Yeah, look, I've been the biggest fan of JD for, for many years, as we know. Um, going back to the Sydney days, watching him lay 24 tackles in the kneeful back then and... Um, yeah, just was screaming for him to play in the midfield. Didn't think it would happen this year. And, and what happened this year was the, the one bloody year he actually moves into the guts. Yep, the 172. My God, that was hard to watch on the weekend. I've, uh,
1: I've unintentionally set that up very well, haven't I? I was I couldn't believe that you weren't picking Jordan Dawson with the highest score of the season of every
0: player, I believe, for your, for your lucks, mate. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, that's... <laughs> That's completely rough, but I'll take the Goats 115 instead. Oh, that was an, a complete performance from Dawson, though, and, and should have been, as they've now said, should have been rewarded the kick after the siren to have probably the greatest one of the greatest games of all time in the modern era. That was um, unbelievable. So, guys, is he is he a um, must-have on the stretch home? Do I have to pay up that milli, Holmesy?
3: You absolutely do, mate, but where are you going to find the coin? It's a big jump from Elliot Yo. It's a It's a big jump from just about anyone, so... Say so good luck. Ross,
1: well, did you did you go up in ranking this week with the Dawson one hundred seventy two?
0: Yeah, without it, yes, I did. Yeah, I jumped, yep, like, okay. I jumped 5K ranks, I think, without JD. So, big week for Dawson.
1: That's Delcy. interesting. Maybe you were able to hide behind that top 18 a little bit there, but it is interesting that you were still able to go up with that. Well, well yeah, Louis, because- I, I
3: suppose you had Jordan Dawson go 60 above his average, but he had Fiorini go 60 above his average as well, so it pretty much evened out. <laughs>
2: 1% owned Fiorini.
3: There you go. That's All
0: right,
2: difference.
3: let's get on
0: to our sucks for the week. <laughs> Louis, take it away.
1: Yeah, so my uh, I, I often um, struggle to come up with the sucks because I'm, I'm not really too upset with a lot of the players on my team for whatever reason, even when they do truly suck. But uh, this week hurt because all I needed was Bailey Humphrey to go 50 uh, to be able to facilitate my trades this week. I'd planned the trades the previous week based on that uh, and sort of did the maths on Selby's website and figured out all right, Humphrey only needs to go 47, and he dishes up a 36 or whatever it was, and I'm 5K short of my ideal trade. It's pretty flattening, and uh, for that, because of that reason, Bailey Humphrey's got to get the sucks for me this week. Yeah, that hurts.
0: That hurts in the buyers. Uh, Harmy, do you have a different sucks?
2: Uh, yes, I do have a different sucks, uh, and unlike Louis, I find it very easy every week to give my sucks out <laughs> because I've had quite a few bad plays. Um, But this week I thought I'll trade, oh, last week, sorry, I thought I'll trade my worst player to the best um, money making player, best mid price player in the comp available. So I went um, Johnson out and Elliot Yeo in. That one cost me one point because Johnson had 99, I think, and uh, Elliot Yeo got 98, and it's also cost me another trade, so that's cost me two trades. So my sucks goes to Elliot Yeo this week. Uh, thanks Joey.
0: Harsh on the great man Um, struggling with the injuries but you know that's harmy is a harsh man.
3: Holmesy what about you? Yeah mine's gonna go to Jai Caldwell and he's actually been very good for me he's made over or pretty much 100k since I brought him in I think he put up two tons out of his three games that I had him or maybe a a 90-ish score and he had the low break even. He really should have gone this week for me, but I thought I'd ride it one more playing against Freo, The midfield role was still there. He just didn't tackle. Um, so, for that reason, he only put up a 69, still got his possession. So, didn't quite get it done. So, yeah, Jai Caldwell, and hopefully I can move him on this week, but it's going to be a little bit tricky with the Elliott Yeo uh, situation as well.
0: And my sucks for the week... Um I'm giving it just to a bit of vintage Dossie trading. I've I've been a really, really good student of the game. I think I followed some of the advice from the group quite well in the in the last six or so weeks and had some really good trades up my sleeve. But this week, it was vintage Dossie. We had Pedler, Atkins, and uh, Bergman going out uh, last week, but coming in was Windhager, which I think was solid. Elliot Yo, which was also very solid until the injury news, so probably not so solid now. But thirdly, it was Kitty Coleman that made his way into Dossie's squad. And this was off the back of being told not to do it on the AFL Fantasy Fanatics little live stream right before the game started. They told me this was from the Brisbane fans as well. They were saying, don't do it. He's not fit. He's not looking good this year. What I want to say is he's looking fit. He's looking fine. He lacks thirst. And I was lied to on that stream. That's what they should have told me. I never would have picked him. Kitty Coleman in the squad, unfortunate for me. Let's get on, though, now to recapping some of our Content Creator Cup. And, look, going forward, I'm sick of just talking for me for so long. I, I thought I'd, I'd hand this roll over to, um, you know, honorary member of the Content Creators Cup, the permanent boy, the man who's not actually in the league. It is you, Harmy. Can you please <laughs> recap the round that was in the Content Creators Cup?
2: Look, may not be in the league, but I must say I'm a massive fan of the Content Creators Cup and I really look forward to this update every week, Dossie, so thanks for passing the baton over to me on this one. Um, obviously supported by Infinite Wealth uh, and oh, nice. and boy, it was an interesting week for the um, Pod Pod crew. Uh, we, were, we're, um, we were held up by our man Kyle. 2-1-0-7, getting a massive, um, massive win over Matt there. Stato, I tell you what, it, it, it couldn't, you thought his season couldn't get more unlucky. Well, how about this? A draw, two zero nine eight and a draw uh, with Luke from the Ball Boys. Um, Louie going down to Nathan from Hatchat, um, and Dosrera, Oh, one-point loss. Honestly, heartbreaking stuff for some of us this week. (laughs) Absolutely
0: robbed, and that was with the Jordan Dawson on the opposition. That was absolutely robbed. Jake from Hatchat. We were I was waiting for updates. I was sending him I said I sent the message of robbed with the uh, the the meme of the Adelaide Crows fan. I mean, that was just absolute bullshit. But um, we'll move on though and talk about some Did he
1: send you a Twitter message, mate? The uh, or whatever it was? <laughs> GG too easy. Uh no, no <laughs> and, and did we get a response to that message, <laughs> we, mate? Just an update. we did
0: from Sanch, yeah. We said yeah, he said he's finally he said, Oh, I just decided to have a week off, relax, you know, from the from the Twitter and I come back to this bullshit or something like that. (laughs) But then uh, Jake, no, he was too nervous to talk until he got the dubs. So I'll probably enjoy a message from him in the coming days now that it is confirmed. I think he was very nervous of a late adjustment and for Dossie to get the dubs over him. Alas, champion data couldn't come to my aid there. Uh, Now, Holmesy, you've been keeping a track now as well of our beloved listeners in the Pod Pod Challenge and uh, give us an update there.
3: Yeah, how's this, Dossie? So, 25 coaches inside the top 100. Um, I'm a pretty poor math teacher, but that's uh, one quarter of the top 100 as uh, in the Pod Pod community. So, that's unreal. Shows that uh, even though we're not having fantastic seasons ourselves, the advice we've been giving out um, is still pretty solid. And that's including three inside the top 10. So, you've got uh, Jono with love at first, Lance. He's sitting in fourth. So, that's he's right in uh, Hilux territory, as are the other two in the top 10 as well, Bindy's Blues and 10s Titans. And then what's that? One, two, another three inside the top 20. And as we said, 25 inside the top 100. So, that's unreal. Uh, fingers crossed that those teams can keep pushing towards the top. And I'm pretty sure when I... Uh, went well in 2021. I think I was sitting about 25th um, coming out of the buys. So that's showing that even someone, in, you know, sitting around that top 30, they're all still well in the hunt. So they really need to just give it one final push towards the end.
0: And what would your advice be, um, Holmesy, and maybe even we'll get Harmy's opinion too, if you're, you're a man that's been there and, and done that before in that top 10 and in, in that hunt home, What would you what advice would you give coaches in that situation?
3: Oh, I suppose you, you just can't be afraid to be different. And there's been that narrative over the last day or so that the Elliot Yo was a shocking pick, but those type of players present the most upside when a large, large majority of the top 100 would be too nervous or too scared to go there. And you know, you got to be, you got to be willing to go against the comp. If you play it vanilla from here, you'll have a very good finish. But I think you got to be willing to lose and drop out of the top 100 if you're if you're having a crack at the car. I'm not saying be stupid and and trade out just for the sake of trading out, but just be really really smart and, and maybe play the game a little bit. I, I was really heavily invested in Selby's top 100 and top 50 numbers at this time of the year and, and seeing how that ownership lined up just to, to be a little bit different. I know the famous one was there was a week where everyone sort of went Dan Houston and I zagged and went uh, Daniel Rich instead. And that, that allowed me to put on, you know, sort of 20 points a week on most of the coaches in the top 100. So, just being really smart with your trades and and, yeah, just backing yourself and not being afraid to be a little bit different.
0: Harmi, can you add anything to that? Some sage uh, words of advice from Holmesy there.
2: Uh, Look, yeah, really just support all of um, Holmesy's comments there. I guess it's probably a different strategy if you uh – uh, like leading or if you are chasing um, but you really do have to play your own game and focus on uh, the ownership uh, percentages and and who has got what in the you know uh, those teams above you um, and look at the run home as for the teams that, um, and the players that you're looking to bring in so looking at their ownership percentage and the yeah their matchups coming forward so
3: and uh, Harmy, surely, as someone who's been on the, the back end of this, just trade in Tex Walker in round 24 against the Eagles, who's chasing a Coleman. Do you reckon that's a good
2: yeah. good play? Imagine that. Yeah. I They'd probably be feeding him too, won't they? So, it'd be interesting to see what happens.
1: it has been done before. Was it uh, Jeremy Cameron a couple of years ago? That was was
2: to you, wasn't
3: it? That was to you, Harmy, right? I've got that right, haven't I? Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. That was um, basically the difference, uh, I think, that um, like I held Jack Billings and he got a 55 and um, Craig traded in Jeremy Cameron, still the biggest (laughs) score that he's ever put up. I think it was a 154. So, yeah, and that was the difference between winning and not sort of thing.
0: That's rough. Thanks for bringing that up. Not that I can
2: remember very clearly.
0: (laughs) 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 All right. Hot topics everyone i think we've mentioned it off the top a couple of times with elliot yo um for the coaches that brought him in lots of people did as we've said everyone on this show did um currently at the moment but louis do we go up or is it a situation where there are a couple of well there's one clear kind of value option below which way are you going up or down
1: oh look i'm gonna go up at this point i think but uh, where you head is probably um, dictated a little bit by the salary spend that you've got from last week and what else is going on on your ground because, unfortunately, Elliot Yo just doesn't have a lot of cash on his head. There are a few blokes beneath him that could score potentially the same and maybe even have a slightly greater upside, but um, you're either taking a punt on them or you're going straight up and trying to find um, a big dog. So you're talking, you know, your Doherty's, who would be relatively unique at this point of year, as James Sisley in a couple of weeks would be another good example. Uh, you know, even a Tom Stewart, who's probably not doing what you want to do at this point, but is still presenting a little bit of value. I think, yeah, you're just jumping off and you're trying to... Um, put a Band-Aid over that one, unfortunately.
2: You'd be damn happy with that, wouldn't you? Yo up to Doherty this week. Far out. That'd be a great move.
0: Thanks, mate. Very happy with that. Um, All right. Well, there's plenty of other options that listeners are keen to know about later, but we'll get to them as time goes on. Unfortunate, I agree with what um, Holmesy said, though. Like, I think... Yo, despite the injury concerns, was a smash play if it was going to play off, and and look, you, you've you've taken a risk. I, I wouldn't be too upset with that. Um, I think it, I think the option was going to be there. It's just unlucky. Um, Clayton Oliver. Gone again. Um, I just want to know. Obviously, you can't bring him in when he's injured, but how do we approach him now, Harmy, when he finally does come off that injury? Could this be somewhere, uh, somewhat of a point of difference that coaches aren't keen to jump on? Or given what we've seen from injured players coming back this year, you know, maybe like a Steele or even a Mills this week getting subbed off and a Lockie Weller, mind you, getting subbed off in a win there as well, would you be a bit cautious jumping on a Clayton straight when he comes back?
2: Yeah, if I was in the top thousand, there's no way I'd bring him in the first week. I mean, he's had so long out of the game, you've got to think it's going to affect his touch coming in. So, yeah, I'd be, I mean, and it's not like he's put up a like a poor score and dropped a bit of price in the week that he did get injured. Either he still could put up a decent score, didn't he? So uh, I'd be very reluctant to bring him in the first week, but yeah, he could be. He could come back in a couple of weeks, and then for the last um, five weeks of the season, be be an amazing pick up at a low ownership. So there is that chance um, as well, but I wouldn't be bringing him in straight off. Not a. Ha- it's ha-
1: been five weeks now, hasn't it? On mm-hmm. on that hamstring. So you, you'd have to think that's a. That's a good chunk of fitness that he's losing and even then he he might be looking at a mini preseason, something like what Danger did a couple of years ago.
2: Allegedly spent five days in hospital with that blister as well. So what, you're sitting in a hospital bed for five days with a drip. Um, It's not like he's sitting there eating roasts and ice cream, is it? So I don't know. I think it's going to affect him, as you say.
0: Interesting one. Uh, and then finally, there's not a hot, heap of hot topics this week. We've got lots of other stuff to get to, though. But, um, look, the teams have come out for Brisbane, Richmond. Just a few changes there. Um, Darcy Fort and Kyle Loman has been. Um, Kai Loman's out, omitted. Kalamachi coming into the team. So, that, that hurts for people looking for a bit of cash gen there. He looked like one of the obvious ones to benefit from. Um, A couple of those veterans dropping out of the squad, but, yeah, unfortunately, he's been dropped. Um, Jacob Hopper's back in the team, along with Marlon Pickett coming back, and then Rioli, Dion Prestia, sorry, Morris Rioli, Dion Prestia, and Hugo Rouse-Smith go out. So, I don't know if it's heaps fantasy relevant, but was there anything you wanted to touch on there, lads, or shall we move on? Looks like we can move on. Just unfortunate for Kyle Loman owners.
2: Um, Hopper coming back may affect one of the bargain picks this week. Dossie, Trent Cotchin, I know Louis was keen on him.
0: Louis?
1: Yeah, well, the obvious replacement in that midfield is probably um, Hopper. had uh, shown an ability to play up forward and I think that uh, last three average is obviously slightly inflated by his 300th milestone game, but it is hard to ignore a, a bloke like Trent Cochin at 560k with that
0: 16 break-even. I thought you were joking, but um, fair enough. A bit of Koch magic, but yeah, with Hopper coming back in, maybe a bit looser of a pick. Let's get into Observation Roundtable, and I'm going to kick it off this week. I I know that um, I'm a big fan um, coming home, um, some other podcasts. Obviously, the traders do their best um, 22, the rolling 22 for the run home. I'm just kind of wondering at this point of year, especially with that extra round and we've got, you know, as you said, Louie earlier, you know, two months basically before the end of the season, is now the time to gain the edge with those match-up-based plays, like maybe breaking this into a couple of months blocks rather than sort of doing a season-end block and... I don't know like what are you guys thoughts on that I just wanted to throw it around the table like is it more important just maybe break the season up into two months and cuz we still have so many trades left to try and get those matchup plays in this first month and then kind of shift it, shift gears and go the other way for the last month.
1: Yeah, a- absolutely it is I think Dossie. Um we're seeing with new age fantasy that there's just a wealth of information out there. On Twitter, Spotify, just all the platforms, there's a lot of people who are very clued in and and it's harder than ever to try and find that point of difference in our teams. So I think splitting it up into chunks a little bit like how you would in draft might be the new way to start trying to find that edge. Uh, certainly in the latter half of the season as well, when you're looking at luxury trades and you're not making that high-risk uh, sort of trade to cull somebody for somebody else, it's more of a... Play the matchups type thing. And, you know, if that results in 50 extra points every single week, then that's massive when it's extrapolated out to, to eight games of data. So I think that's going to be the new age fantasy way to go. And, uh, looking at the next month of, uh, matchups is, is just going to be so important to finding that ceiling. And, and as we've already seen this year, I think finding that ceiling with vice captain and captaincy, um, loopholes because, in previous years, we probably haven't had as many opportunities to um, do the loop with the VC. And I think we've probably underutilized it a little
0: bit as well. And uh, there's a lot of scope for improvement there. Yeah, it's a good call. Um, and yeah, that's just, I guess, going back to using those tools that we have available to us, whether you're, you know, a member with Morera's um, Magic, using those numbers, whether you're using Keeper League or you're using like the draft, um, what's it? DFS Australia have their defense first position rankings, which is also really good to look at those matchup plays and kind of planning ahead as well. So, our planning, as much as the buyers are done, isn't complete yet. Harmi, what do you recommend?
2: Well, I was just going to say, um, in amongst the matchups, I don't think we should lose sight of the um, like chasing. Um, players that have got some value still um, and rookies are going to make cash and that sort of thing because we've still got over a third of the season to go like we're only not even not even two thirds through so you still got to be um, building value in your team I think if you can that's why I was a bit disappointed with some of those tradings through the buy period like your Kyle Lohman types man he just may sit there as a red dot um you know, over the next two months now, and that's not really going to help us. So I think it was uh, DT Lemon, like he built a massive team value a couple of years ago and he ended up finished third, like he came home with a wet sail because he was still, you know, building up the value of his team and, um, yeah, making money along the way. So we can't sort of then just go and grab, Oh, I want to take um, Dawson and Brayshaw and... Um, I don't know, lead maybe, someone else this week, even though lead's probably not a bad pick. Um, You can't just go chasing all the top dogs because it's at at the expense of, um, yeah, the valuer picks, I suppose, that are out
1: there. Harmy, in some ways, would you say that for the top 100 currently, um, do you think there's a world where essentially the best bench is what takes the win and not the best on-field team because you're constantly generating that value. You can come home with a wet sail.
2: Oh, I think it's definitely part of the consideration. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Is it more than ever? Because it's just this season, it seems like everybody's got three or four red dots.
2: Um, Well, I don't know if it's more than ever because we have uh, the rolling lockout and you can actually be looping players um, and... You don't sort of the, the emergency means a bit less perhaps because you got like an opportunity throughout the whole course of the weekend to move people around and still support you on field. So you're less risk of copping a zero from a late out and that sort of thing. So I don't know if it's more than ever, but it's definitely part of the game.
0: So hey, what, Holmesy? Given numerous thumbs up during that uh, that display that call. It, it is it is a podcast format, Holmesy. You, you do you can speak, mate.
3: Yeah, well, uh, Harmy summed it up beautifully, right? Like I I spoke about it before how I was 25th coming out of the buys and ended up, you know, finishing second. It's a constant theme that we speak about. I mean, Mottram kind of bucked the trend last year and Shuckers in terms of getting to the top early and staying there. But year after year, we just see these teams come home. They fly home with a wet sail because they are continually building that team value. And you're right, like you still need to be picking the right rookies. It's not the time to just burn your benches and not have any money to upgrade. You might have a complete team at this point, but there's still always the better players that you want to be able to jump to and you're going to need cash to do that. So, you're right, Dossie. If you don't have a Dawson, you do need him at some stage and he is that expensive and good luck getting there if you've got a whole bunch of rookies on your bench that are 200, 250, 300K because you're not going to be able to get enough money from them to get up to those players. So, yeah, it's... All right. I don't know whether it's more important than ever, but it's definitely a part of the game that is overlooked. We think that we get to this point of the year and, and that's it, but we still need to be really smart with how we manage our benches and generate the cash.
1: It probably extends a little bit out to some of the mid-prices we start to, and obviously not all of them, but I know I've been looking at some matchups and I've seen some coaches that are still, you know, uh, doing some trades with a, a James Warple or Finn Callahan these types that uh, many teams started and we all traded at some point, maybe around around five or six, and it was probably for the better at the time. But you do sort of sit back and think, well, I wonder how much better off I would have been to wait another five weeks, generate that extra 200K, have that you 80, 85 rolling average there and address other parts on my field as well. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of improvement to be had for that sort of stuff.
0: Yeah, I often look at the um, team value in the top 100 and kind of think that, you know, if a few of those people sitting a bit further back with the team value are going to, as you say, come home steaming um, on the run home. It might be one for my cousin Papowski to kind of give us those... Uh those million dollar kind of rankings and see where people are sitting and maybe even give us that crop range that we're looking for earlier in the season as to when we should be really cropping those trades and <laughs> where we're sitting <laughs> the at. The crop range. The crop range from, uh, from Kaz Papowski. Very scientific, yeah. Um, I know that, Louis, you have another observation for us this week.
1: Yeah, and it, it's probably a little bit similar to what we've been discussing and it's just trying to find that point of difference In fantasy where plenty of coaches are switched on And I just wanted to highlight a couple of names That are pretty popularly owned um, That maybe just aren't putting up the numbers that we'd like That maybe you can just put on your radar As a little bit of a point of difference to jump off at some point So Tom Green uh, Someone who's had a phenomenal season And been an awesome starting pick Uh, His last three is currently 97 Last five, 102 Uh, he started the season like a house on fire, but he's 36% ownership. I'm thinking if you can get an extra eight points a week on 36% of the competition uh, via Tom Green, that you might be a whole lot better off. Uh, What are we thinking of Tom Green, guys?
3: I'm not the one to comment on this, uh, Louis, because I traded him out and he put a 170 on my head. So, I think- Oh, It's really tough for these players that do have the ability to go 130 plus, which we have seen Tom Green do what? I think he had a high 120, a low 130 and a 170 this year. So, he has had three monsters and he has some good matchups coming up. So, you are right. You're, you're absolutely spot on. He hasn't been putting up the numbers in the last five, but has he had a few tough games? Has there been a reason that you know maybe he was tiring towards the bye and then that you know freshens him up and, and he's ready to go? Um, in the second half of the season. I'm not too sure, but I do think you want to be smart about when you do trade these players out, and that just comes back to the matchup argument that we were speaking about earlier on in the pod.
2: Yeah, probably a difficult game this week against Melbourne, but I I, kind of looked at trading him throughout the buys, but I didn't Um, because after the Melbourne, he's got the Hawks, Crows, Suns, Bulldogs... Then a couple of tough games: the Swans and Port. Then Essendon and Carlton to finish. So it's probably not too bad a run, is it?
1: No, it's not. So maybe that's one that you just hold off for a couple of weeks. But there's certainly scope for um for a better player there if you want to get an extra few points on the comp. Another one is Sam Walsh. Uh, he's not as highly owned, but some did jump on early and. Look, I just wanted to mention this guy just purely based off his last three and five, which I'll be mentioning with all these players. 76 last three and 86 last five from Sam Walsh. First of all, can't wait to pick him in 2024. But second of all, um, are we just putting a line through him now unless he gains forward status, which I think he is in line to do. But um, geez, it's even then he's not even knocking on the door of being a top 15 forward with those numbers.
3: You, you say that Louis, you say you can't wait to pick him in 2024, but the the start that he had, he's still averaging 102 for the season. So at this point in time, if he does turn his form around a little bit, he's still not going to be heavily underpriced. But he's someone I'm definitely looking at. I think with the potential forward status, it's it's a bonus as well, but we know what he can do. He's he's their future, he's their star. If there's any if there's any inkling that Carlton are going to turn their form around then he's going to be a big part of it and you would think that he's going to go back to being that one 100 to 105 um, averaging player he doesn't really tackle enough he he's definitely more reliant on heavy disposals in that in that Carlton system but yeah man he's someone I'm, I'm looking at this week um, he's just someone I love and he's clearly underpriced for what we know he's been able to do ever since he came into the comp in 2020.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree, Kyle. I think if you're an owner now, you're selling low and um, everybody who's not an owner is looking to buy low at this point. So, And if that forward status does come to fruition, then that's going to be huge. The next one, which Harmy, you mentioned earlier, is Will Day. And I've got him in this list. Just I know he had a great game last week and that was off the back of a role change. But previous to that, he was just a little bit underwhelming, sort of floating around that 85 to 90 mark. He's owned by 30% of the competition and knowing that the role just is fluctuating slightly a little bit, are you just thinking that maybe there's a way to, to find an edge on the competition there as well? Well, if we have a look at
3: his splits, sorry, Harmy, I was just going to- I just did have a point on Will Day, actually. If we look at his quarter splits, he had 24 in the first quarter and then he had that monster 50 in the second quarter when he was able to really sit back behind the play. And then he had two other quarters where he just scored in the twenty. So although he had a good one sixteen, it was really off the back of that fifty point quarter. So you know if that if that just is a normal game, then that's a, a flat sort of hundred score. And we've seen him have a floor this year in terms of not a sixty, but he's prone to putting up a, an eighty score off the back of thirty possessions. So if he's not able to get back into that loose man role, which he won't be in two weeks' time when Sicily comes back. Um, I think he's absolutely someone you can you can look to sell high on and get an edge over the comp. He's probably the perfect player that I spoke about in terms of getting off to go someone that's a little bit more unique with a better ceiling.
0: Yeah, I almost think it's, it's like you say, in two weeks, though. I think you have to wait because, I mean, even though we say role change, he still had 19 center bounce tennises, which was most for... Hawthorne as well so he's playing midfield and floating back so until until Sisley's back in the side to sort of take the other half of his points I'd probably still stick around Will Day
1: yeah I, I agree I think that defensive role helped and for that reason you you almost want to read the tea leaves a bit and and realize that in two weeks time that's probably not going to be a role that he's going to have and which point he's going to maybe return back to that 90 to 95, which might not cut it and you might be able to find somebody better. Uh, next up is Matt Rowe, last three of 73 and a last five of 87. Right off the top, I'll go to you, Dossie.
0: Um, what are you thinking of Matt Rowe, mate? Yeah, look, he's in my he's in my plans to to jump off this week. Uh, it's unfortunate. He's served me very very well, but with the goat in there, there's just too many mouths to feed, mate. When you got row row down appeal. to Flanders, Dossie on the card. <laughs> <laughs> potentially on the cards. We haven't even mentioned that that uh, Flanders. As if this show itself was a Buzz Lightyear itself podcast last week, Sam Flanders just comes out. We get Stevie Fizz on the show. We talk Flanders up big time. He drops a huge score. Um yeah, look, I don't think that's potentially something on the cards, but but Matty Rao certainly. Um, even with with Took Miller coming back soon as well, he's only listed one week away on the injury report that came out today. Harmy doesn't believe it's going to happen, but um, Took Miller one week away apparently. Um, look, I don't know if that hurts Matty Rao or helps him, but he's he's not a top, he's not a gunned um, midfielder, and he's sort of had his hot patch, I think.
1: And he's not heaps highly owned either. He's about 8%. Yeah. But I've got him here because Noah Anderson's about 8% too. And I think most people that have got those two players probably use it as a buy round play. And um, even though Noah Anderson is turning it around um, as of late, he was probably a good example a fortnight ago. But with Tuke Miller coming back into that side over the next fortnight, potentially that's going to be something you want to look at next one, Stephen Cornelio. Uh last three, 100, last five, 101, 40% ownership. It is difficult with the forward status to find somebody better than that, but he is pretty much performing um, at what you paid for. There's potential to find a leg up on the comp there if you want to play the matchups as we spoke about earlier. And finally, uh, which might be a bit controversial, I'm not sure Tom Stewart's getting it done uh, and I even mentioned him before I said look he's probably an all right option uh, he still presents a little bit of value but really if you strip it back his last three is 94 his last five is 95 he's at 28 percent ownership and when you've got blokes like a Sam Doherty who's lowly owned and can put you know 30 points on his head every single week um, potentially, then that's something I would look at. That being said, Tom Stewart also does have that awesome run home where he's playing at uh, GMHBA Stadium where he has shown a bit of ceiling. So might
0: take a bit of a braver coach, but sometimes that's what it takes to uh, to get that extra leg up. Nice little observation from Lou there as well. And we have had a big observation section this this podcast, but we've got one final one from, from Harmy from the weekend. There was something... A bit strange going on down in Dockerland.
2: Yeah, um, thanks, Dosby One that I wanted to raise, and it's probably one of the most disgusting acts that I've seen on a footy field for some time. Um, I was pretty pretty gutted, really, and I think that it really rattled Essendon, um, who I, I love and support, and they, uh, you know, in the last quarter, they couldn't get it done. Um, I think it really affected the game. And I'm calling on the AFL to hold an investigation because at three-quarter time in the Frio versus Essendon game, you couldn't help but notice the music blaring out of the loudspeakers with a nutbush coming on and a line-dancing demonstration occurring on the sidelines, which I think is just really uh, poor form. Um, and, yeah, I mean, would have been a distraction. And, Holmes, I mean, is this a common thing for Frio supporters to encourage at the game?
3: Absolutely, mate. You know how we uh, we love our we love our culture. We we love uh, everything about it. So uh, yeah, definitely had nothing to do with the fact that the bombers were coming off the by Harmy and came up against Flag Mantle. You just keep focusing in on the nutbush, mate. And I was very good being along the sidelines as as part of that. It was it was fantastic. <laughs> Oh my
1: god! All right. Should we give context to this, Darcy? <laughs>
0: <laughs> go, go ahead, Lou. I don't even know. I, don't, I can't even figure out the context myself. Harmy was very distraught oh. with the bush. In <laughs> he the was.
1: Chat. I, I um I think I just had um maybe a bit of a larger Saturday night, but I just remember waking up Sunday morning and and reading the Pod Pod chat and just <laughs> oh, I was struck by how passionate uh, Harmy was about how the Nut Bush ruined the box. <laughs> So, I I thought, I wrote down, that should be an observation during the week, just that the nut bush is no good. And I hope you guys enjoyed that little chat GPT story during the week of uh, Mr. John Harmy travelling back in time to stop Tina Turner from riding the nut bush. Yeah, ban the (laughs) nut bush.
0: I think we're going to have to do, um, you know, we do our Apple ratings um, challenges. I think we might have to do one to get John Harmy doing the uh, the nut bush for us. (laughs) (laughs) Let's <laughs> get lessons target. from Holmesy.
2: He was there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Holmesy does it every week. All right. Um. Well, as a bit of fun this week, we've actually got a little bit of a different setup up in, in our sort of end of the show. We, we really wanted to do a little bit of a draft style um, episode here because I feel like we've mentioned it a few times and, and there is this part of the year where you manage to find those sweet little spots of those picks that come home and win you the lucks. And really, we wanted to put our, put our nut bush on the line, if you will, there, our Harmy, and pick a few players that might get it done on the run home. Now, we're going to do it draft style, snake style draft. We're calling this segment Light Years Ahead. To infinity and beyond! And starting off in our Light Years Ahead draft, now just... Just to reiterate, these are players that we might think are going to steam home from here, and they might not be on your radar. They're, they're more of those points of difference. So, we obviously know that you can check out, obviously, the Rolling 22. Those are the guys that are going to be, you know, killing it for the run home and being your top sort of end premiums, and, and the traders do a great job there. We wanted to try and pick some points of difference. As this show is called, The Point of Difference Podcast, we're going to do two buzz picks and then two buzz fuzzier picks, which, which maybe are on the looser end. I've organised the the draft order, and I just did it randomly. I put Holmesy last because I've just been feeling that way about Holmesy at the moment, having to buy him the carton. Popped Harmy first because he's been in some good form. Harmy, take it away. We're, we're going snake draft. Who's your first uh, light year pick? You're light years ahead of the competition. Who's bringing us home strong?
2: Thanks, Dospy. Um, how long have I got on the pick?
0: Oh, immediate Five minutes, mate. <laughs>
2: All right. Look, I'll just put a bit of context. I'm looking at guys with a lower ownership because there's there's going to be people. Um, what's an example? Jordan Dawson, okay? He's got 58% ownership. So I think that some players with a lower ownership, with a high ceiling um, and a nice run have probably got a bigger chance. So at number one, I'm going to take uh, Brad Crouch. 11% ownership, great run coming up for the next nine weeks.
0: Yeah, and came absolutely firing home last year. He would have been a buzz pick last year. So, going number one in the buzz draft is Brad Crouch. We've got Louis, pick two.
1: Yeah, not too inspiring, really. Um, been buzzing about Brad Crouch for about a month now, I think. So, I'm, I'm going to go a bit buzzier than that, and I'm going to go with Max Gorn. Oh! I, I just got a feeling that... Uh, the big fella's going to come into his own there's been a lot of chit chat on on radio and and certain sites and all and all the like about the uh, Ruck tandem duo not working and uh, i'm not convinced that that grundy's a good forward so i think max gorn will pick up forward status and i think he might make um, i think he might make a bit of a uh, you know I think he might make a bit of a mess there, uh, so to speak. I think he'll have a bit of a split in the ruck. He'll play forward,
0: kick a couple of goals, and might come home as a top six forward. Jeez, that is that is pure buzz. Uh, I've, I've put Dossie at pick three here. Oh, it's a tough one. I've got a few to pick from here, but... um. I think we've mentioned him a couple of times and look, I'm going a, a bit further ahead. Obviously, we're saying from here and and this is a buzz pick, but I think the moment that Sicily steps back on the field, he has to be in every team. I think he's going to be the buzz pick of the year. He's going to come home averaging 120 plus and be a guy. We saw him just play loose in defense in his last couple of weeks before suspension. He's going to be fresh off his suspension as well, and he's just got that role. We saw him last year pretty much come home as well and get a 150 in round 23 last year, I think it was. So, uh, James Sisley, my uh, buzz pick, round one pick. uh, Does he
1: play West Coast uh, to finish the year? Obviously, they just played
0: them, but... Mm, Let's have a look. I'll have to check out the sketch. I just think regardless of sketch that Sicily is going to carve. Let's have a look. Uh, in the meantime, Holmesy, you take your pick.
3: Yeah, so I'll go I'll go pretty vanilla for this first one and I'm glad you guys left him because <laughs> I haven't had a lot of time to put into this dossier. but I will go Sam Walsh. I think primed for a big second half of the year, too proud of a club. Um, they've been down for too long and I think he's going to put Carlton on his shoulders for a big run home. What he can do from here, I'm not too sure, but he's definitely underpriced for what we know he can do. So I'll go Sam Walsh and then I'll go I'll go a little bit more of a buzz pick and it's not the optimal time to pick him, but I'll go Kieran Briggs with my second pick and I'll make the prediction that I'll be able to trade him up to English at some point in the next five or so weeks for about 150-ish K. I think he'll just keep going even though he's got the tough matchup this week. Jeez, I like
0: that. That's, uh, that is pretty loose there. Um, that, that could have almost been buzzier, I would have thought, with the Briggsy continuing to hold. I mean, lots of coaches are going to probably hold here that have him anyway. Um, oh, this is really a tough pick too because there's some quality names left on the board with low ownership and if this guy doesn't get picked, I'll be surprised, but oh, maybe I should just go him. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. I'm, I'm going to obvious one because this is Buzz. Buzz wants to be right. And uh, Buzz does look ahead of the competition. 7.8% owned, looked a lot better on the weekend. You've, you've picked um, Brad Crouch with your number one pick. How about Jack Steele? I think he looked much better on the weekend and I think there's much better scope for him to come home absolutely like a steam train like we've seen him do before. Um, Scored himself 104 points, 12 tackles in still low time on ground. Surely things turn around for steel soon and he can fire home. So, Jack Steele and James Sisley, pretty vanilla for old uh, the OG buzz here, I must say.
2: Are you being tricked by the lack of strapping on the knee or do you think he was actually moving better, Dossie?
0: I, I definitely saw some- Well, I mean, 104 points in low time on ground. Like, when he was out there, he was looking better to my eye. He he definitely was moving a little bit better, but you don't reckon, Harmy, you reckon he was still waddling a bit?
2: I think he's still- He's not
3: 100%. Mm. Just on That's that, Harmy, do you think there's any chance that they- uh, The low time on ground continues this week and they manage him halfway through the third quarter against the Eagles if they're up by a big margin? Or do you think that he's the captain of the club and- it's shown that you just really need to spank the Eagles to to get that big percentage boost. What do you think?
2: Well, There's the extensive history of research I've done on it, mate, says yes because uh, Callum Mills did it last week.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. I think the Saints have been trying to talk down this Jack Steele injury for a couple of weeks now. They keep changing their mind what it is.
0: And I don't think they will admit fault by uh, by resting their captain. And you know how that. You know how we kickstart this this Buzz Lightyear um, sesh. We pop the C on the great man on the Sunday night. What do you guys reckon? All right, um, now it's over to you. Who's it over to? Hang on, it's oh, back to you, Louis.
1: Yeah. So um, this guy's a bit surprising, actually. One percent ownership. Uh, One hundred and seven average. One hundred and nine last five. One hundred and ten last three. He's got the D's, Hawks, Crows, Suns, Dogs, Swans, Port, Bombers and Carlton. It's Josh Kelly. We know what he does. Uh, We know he's an absolute jet. Uh, He hasn't had the ceiling that we've been accustomed to in previous years. He's got a top score of 126 and a lower score of 91, uh, but it does show his consistency. And if he can come home uh, strong, then that's a player that I would love to jump on as a point of difference, just knowing what he's capable of.
0: Juicy option. Uh, back to you, Harmy, for your pick your first your last buzz pick and then your first buzzier pick.
2: Yeah. Oh well look. Being we're, being we're going buzz, I'll probably throw this one out to Bevo's favourite son at the Bulldogs. He's now pretty expensive, but as a back, Caleb Daniel, 5% ownership. I think um, there's a good chance that he could finish, you know, averaging 100 or more uh, and prove to be a bit of a good pod uh, for those that own him. Yeah,
0: but is that going to win? Is that like 120 in the run, home? I feel like that's what we need to... Well, compare
2: on. that. Let's, using Louis's example earlier, most of us have got uh, Tom Stewart, and let's say you had... Um, yeah, Caleb Daniel instead. And there could be a big points difference every week if Louis's right.
1: I think. Well, if, if if Caleb Daniel's going to go at 95, which is conservative because he's going 110 plus um, over the last, you know, six, seven weeks, then he's still. Um, you know, a great player in your side because of that versatility between forward and defense. So I find it hard to believe a, a 95 averaging Caleb Daniels is going to be your, your worst player uh, in your forward line and back line each week. So he might just be the ultimate fantasy swingman on the way home. Oh, okay. I,
0: for me, that's more of a, a woody pick, potentially even, dare I say, a Mr. Potato Head there for you, Harmy. But uh, do you want to take away the, the your first buzzier pick?
2: Yeah, I'll take Woody because I think everybody knows that Woody was the true hero of Toy no, Story.
0: That's, that's a lie.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to look, I'm going to throw out, you'll like this one, uh, Buzz, the forgotten man of the AFL playing for a team that has a really great run home. His team sucks and he's probably their best midfielder. His name is Luke Davies Uniac, 2% ownership. Damn and I <laughs> I'm amazed that he's 2%. Yeah,
0: Luke Davies Spudiak. Mm He's, uh, what do we think, Dossie? Well, yes, it was LD Spew earlier in the year um, when, and LD Poo when I owned him. But, um, yes, hopefully on the run home he does lift his game because um, I think it was last year. It was as early as last year when he moved into the midfield. High, high time on ground, high centre bounces, hits every stat line and he came steaming home and, and actually was one of the reasons why I had a solid end to the last season despite having a rancid start to the season. So, yeah, great pick, Lou. And, and a lot of those types of players do come home strong just because it's
1: winter and the ball's a bit heavier. There's a bit more tackling and there's a few more contests. So, you know, it's not a bad shout actually. It's good. What's your buzzier pick then, Lou? Mine's Shannon Hearn in the retirement parade. So no. it's probably not something that <laughs> you'd it. be jumping on now because there's a long time to go in the season. But we know he's retiring this year. We know he's got a ceiling. In fact, we know that just about his median floor is about eighty, just with his kick-ins uh, and all the chip chip that goes on in the West Coast backline. But I think that Shannon Hearn on the way home, uh, certainly in the last you know two to three weeks, could be absolutely mammoth and and maybe that's one for the guys who are ranked top one hundred to think about in a, in about two months' time. That is a, uh, a,
0: a big call, Shannon.
1: Oh, I feel Shando like Hearn. I'm the only one who's understood the the.
0: The buzz assignment. <laughs> yeah. No, nah, a good one. It is a good one. Um, well, I'm going with a guy. You went LDU, the other part of the song here, Parrish, to uh, Darcy Parrish contract year. He's only got eight weeks to prove his monstrous deal that he wants at the end of this season. So, um, I think Darcy Parrish just – I know we've just seen his first game back from injury. Look, he only had 24 disposals and, and a few marks against um, Fremantle. You know – I feel like he's just going to build form from here and potentially be that huge uh, wet sail that we need on the run home. Holmesy, go back to back here, mate.
3: Yeah, so I'll 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 fit Louis assignment. I was going to pick a Ben Keys, who's actually not as highly owned as I thought he was, but I'll go a little bit more loose. I'll go the opposite midfield partner of John Harmy's pick, LDU, and that's Jai Simpkin, only zero point five percent owned. Two years in a row, he's gone at 105 post buy, so we know he loves coming home with a wet sale. And uh, he's had a he's had a few weird injuries this year. He's clearly been out of form and, and battling some stuff. So um, priced at 626k, uh, you could do worse than Jai Simkin. He's just been a little bit of a, a weird year. And the last one, because it is the buzzier buzzier picks, and I don't like doing these type of picks, Dos, because I'm never going to pick him, but. Tanner Broon, 2.7% owned, and the comments out of Geelong yesterday that they're going to rest a lot of players on the run home to make sure that they're cherry ripe for finals. I can see him having a pretty predominant midfield role in the back half, and we know he can score. He's always had low time on ground, but he had an 82 on the weekend. He did have a 49 the week before, but that was he pretty much had that at halftime and then had that injury and, and then was subbed out. So, uh, you could do worse than Tanner Bruin. I'm not saying pick him, but this is the, the buzzier, buzzier section.
0: It is the buzzier, buzzier section. I feel like I've just got too many good options of guys that I genuinely think could go 110 to 115. That I don't know if this is that buzzy. Can You, you guys can veto me if this isn't buzzy enough, all right? Um, It's been a man that I have had a fondness for this whole season, and yet he's still incredibly lowly owned, only at 2.6%. He kicks off his buzz run with a 150 this week against Hawthorne and just continues to fly home. It is Adam Chera as my buzzier pick on the run home. Um, A midfielder, so a lot of people you know not keen to go there given the positional value but he's a guy that's gone 120 then dropped down then 120 or 130 then dropped down if he just c- c- gets consistency he could go 115 from here lou
1: uh, So we've had walsh we've had chera and i reckon you could probably throw cripps into this category yeah. too so is that your pick maybe it's worth a a, a small discussion is who, who's actually going to get the upside from carlton because no one's really taken it by the horns besides sarah at this point Or Chera,
3: sorry. Doc's going to take the upside and we move on, I think. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah, Um. I just think that they've been underwhelming for a long time. Like that that Cripps score two weeks ago, he kicked three goals. The score he got the week before, that was 45 uninjured.
0: Mm.
1: Underwhelming
0: is- He's got a horrible floor, Cripps, even- in some of his best seasons, his floor is frightening. But that's what you're saying, though, Lou. Right? The underwhelming form equals potential in disguise, right there for guys with upside. So, um, yeah, somebody's going to no, pop. It does. It somebody's going to pop on the run home. I think Cher is going to be the one. Louie, Buzzy, your pick, your final one.
1: Yeah. So I was going to go Ollie Wines, but I'm having a tough time um, wanting to convince anybody to go Wines over a Mills or even. Um- Potentially, Holmes's pick just before in a Simpkin. Uh, I'm going to go Liam Duggan, which yeah. is pretty out the box. It's 1% ownership as well. Uh, last three average of 115, last five average of 104, which is watered down by a 69 on the weekend, which goes to show um, the form that he was in. He's taking kick-ins. There's no Yo who was also taking some of the kick-ins. West Coast are getting pumped every single week. Uh, it's going to be in the back line and he's going to be taking kick-ins more often than not each week. And I think he's someone who uh, could potentially come home with a wet sail. He's shown a uh, consistent ceiling over the last six weeks. And uh, you could make a case that maybe it can't continue because it's not working for the Eagles. But if it does, then uh, this is the Alex and that everybody's sort of been edging to pick for the
0: last 10 weeks. And um, we didn't mention at the top of the show, but during this show, we have made a drinking game anytime wet sail has been used that you do have to do a shot. So, um, unfortunately, that's part of the game there (laughs) this week. Uh, Harmy. Okay. Final pick of the draft.
2: Yes. And Dossie, I think you will agree with me that this is the pick that will win me the draft. 1% ownership, coming off 115 points. How did I not do it? The man that's going to keep Took in the VFL (laughs) is the CBA king um, and Stewie Dew's new best friend, Brayden the Goat Fiorini.
0: Uh, Is this why why Kyle just left the call? Yeah, Kyle has... Kyle has dropped off the call, and, and that's that's <laughs> that's it from Kyle. No, um, that is the end of the draft as well. The light years ahead draft, and that was all brought to you by the Keeper League Pod. Not just for your keeper leagues, jump on there for your CBAs, kicking trends, drafty fantasy analysis, scoring trends against teams, weekly fantasy projections, and more. Make sure you use the code PODPOD at sign up for twenty percent off. We love our pods. So do they. So jump on, use the code PODPOD at sign up for 20% off. Now, I'm just going to smash through a few of these because I know we've already done a massive pod here, lads. And I'm just going to throw to you and Louis to finish this off. Louis and Harmy to finish off. We are at PODPOD AFL. If you want to go follow us on Twitter, we ask for requests every single week from our listeners to get a little bit of a fresh perspective. We've talked about lots of players um, on this podcast already. I just want to touch on the big ones that got called out by our listeners. Now, Harry Hummelberg was a massive one. We've talked a little bit about him, but Harmy, what's your verdict on him? Because obviously he's in that price range for Elliot Yo, And uh, Roger from the Ball Boys wants to know, will the Berg sink my season?
2: I don't think he's going to sink your season because I mean what's the worst case scenario? He goes 70 probably. So I don't think he's going to be a bomb, but he presents value. I mean, he's 570,000. He's been scoring quite well. Um, I don't think he's going to be the 100 point player. I think he's going to be um, around 80 or something. So if, if that's all you can get to, I still think it's going to be a solid pick.
0: I think without without Lockie Whitfield in the squad this week, could you get that sugar as well? And, and is that enough just to jump on and, and ride the cash rise?
2: Uh, yeah, and also um, no Nick Haynes. Uh, but Lockie mm. Keefe's obviously down there. Dossie, he'll yep. take a few points off him, but <laughs> oh, forever. probably a good <laughs> week to You'll forever bring up my love
0: for Lockie Keefe last year, I think. You always <laughs> caught that one. Um, Callum Mills is another popular one, uh, you know, not having the break even that is desirable um, for us. But could you jump early, Louie, given that, you know, he was subbed out against West Coast, um, just precautionary stuff there, uh, and he was looking like he was scoring well, but so was everyone against West Coast.
1: Yeah, look, you can jump early because it's Callum Mills and a lot of people are going to do it. And look, to a certain extent, I agree, but I just can't – wrap my head around um, what we're trading in here. I I mean he's gone at 80 for the season obviously that's injury affected with one game Uh, he didn't necessarily have the role when he was fit he's come back and scored a 64 and he's been subbed obviously looking after him versus the Eagles but I I just can't help but think back to about three or four weeks ago when some traded in a Jack Steele off of his injury and were left disappointed and I'm just not sure that Callum Mills is that absolute smash play to come back to a 100 plus average when you do have blokes like Golden, Warner, uh, Parker, and Rowbottom all in there, like playing some seriously good football and averaging well as well. So while, while I, I wouldn't convince anybody out of Callum Mills, and I think he's going to be um, arguably the best value pick that there is. I think there's a lot of holes to be poked in him and that um, potentially that uh, going against jumping on a Callum Mills might actually be advantageous to you, uh, as I'm sure the people who didn't jump on Elliot Yo due to his injury history has been. Luke, can
2: I just try one thing? I'll throw a few names at you. Sorry, Dossie, you might cut across some here that you're going to go to. But you tell me whether you like Mills more or less than the people I'm going to... Give to you around that price point, okay? So, you like Mills more or less. Jai Simpkin. More. more. Harry Himmelberg. Uh, For this week, 100K between
0: them. I I like Mills more. more. I'm going to go more too, but early for this week. but close. Petty Cripps?
1: Closer than you'd think. More. More. Absolutely.
2: Uh, They'll probably do because there'll probably be other players that come up. But I'm just making a point. You actually, I think you said you like him more than all of those. I I
1: think he's the best value option. I just think, like the conversation that we spoke about in um, our weekly observations, and how we can find a point of difference. Fifty percent of the comp are going to jump on Callum Mills over the next fortnight. You guarantee it. He's too cheap not to jump on. So I'm just. I'm just pondering about whether or not you could pass on him and find upside elsewhere, even if it means not getting up to uh, – even if it means waiting an extra week to get an upgrade and going to a big dog the next week. Can that be
0: enough just to, to bridge that gap?
2: All right. Flanders it is, Tossy. All right. Sounds good.
0: Uh, well, we could talk about – we'll talk about Flanders in a minute. I want to talk about a guy – that if he was in the buzz draft, I would have probably taken him three to four weeks ago, given the form now. Um, you know, Jarman Impey, so 117 in his last three. I would have predicted this um, back then. Probably did on the podcast, I don't know, but we'll have to go back and look. But um, Harmy, he is coming home with a – ready, get your, your shots ready – wet sail here. But uh, Jarman Impey, do you reckon is he still going to bring that form home um, even when Sicily comes back and, you know, just going forward? He's in ripping form
2: well, you would have gone into that buzz crystal ball and worked out that Mm. Cicely was going to get suspended again, wouldn't you? Uh, So that's definitely helped him along the way. Oh, look, I think I have said before, I don't think he's um, the right type of player to um, bring in because he hasn't done this historically. But, man, he's just making us look stupid.
0: He is. um, I watched the game on the weekend as well. I don't know, like just kind of got there as well it just i don't know didn't seem that obvious to me i mean i was looking at a few suns pretty closely to be fair but um
2: another one's nick um sorry oh fuck for the bombers the forward martin nick martin yeah nick martin sorry he's just getting it done (laughs) he's just getting it done mate a hundred and ten hundred every week
0: Nutbush still really hurt and hum. You can't think <laughs> about through
1: He was one that um, I hoped would come up earlier in this podcast, but you know, as we approach the end of it, maybe we should bring him up. Nick Martin,
2: yeah, forward status as well. Oh look, I I don't think so. I think I said that two weeks ago though, Louie, And what an idiot I am. Should have brought him in. It's
1: it's it, the problem is he's just done it against such soft matchups. But I won't be surprised if he continues on because he does pass the eye test. He looks phenomenal.
2: Mm. Just an yeah. outside player. That's the only. Dis- not he, he, you know,
0: but you know what he reminds me of, though, in terms of the ability to still score as an outside player. It's like that the Mitch Duncan kind of scoring mold, where he just works so hard to get it on the outside, but he's also a good user and just finds space so easily. So, yeah, I don't know that. That's that'd be such a tricky one because that'd be a ballsy pick at eight hundred and forty k to go. Um, on that sort of a po- point of difference, it would have been a great pick. If you- I know, I think Jep had jumped on him maybe a few weeks ago on the buys. So it was a good pick by old Jep. Um, all right, let's get to just our last couple here. Sam Flanders, we have to do it. We have. we are obliged to do it. Um, he's in the 400Ks. He's come off a great game against um, Hawthorne. I will say, I watched this game um, closely on Sam Flanders in particular. He was playing high half forward for most of the game. So, if you just looked at the center, center bounces, you'd notice he, he had a reasonable amount. He did jump into some center bounces, but they also, if you look at the center bounces from the last quarter, Stewie Jew chucked him in there when the game was in hand and played Noah Anderson forward to give him a run in the gut. So, um, and I think that was the quarter where, let's have a look, where, um, where Flanders did a fair bit of damage. So, he had 30 points in that final quarter, but- what do you guys think? Louis, you're shaking your head. You're not a Flanders fan. No, I wouldn't even pick him up off the way of a wire if I was going to catch a Jeez. donut.
2: <laughs> Tell us what you really think,
1: Louis. <laughs> Come on. We, we can't go back to this. But did you watch now. the game? He was fantastic. Yeah. Man. He was awesome. I watched it. He was good in the first half. Mm. He took that good mark up forward. <laughs>
0: <laughs> i don't know yeah i i, I personally that, that was when drunk. you started
1: doing your whole Buzz off lot year routine <laughs>
0: <laughs> in the chat yeah all right well i think that's pretty much all we got to cover there's there's a few other requests um but yeah sorry we haven't managed to get to all of them the last one butters versus Cornelio. harmy can you pay up for butters butters Okay, pay up for butters. All right, well, thanks very much for listening. Any words, final words of advice, lads, heading into the first week of back to two trades? Pretty dis- depressing with uh, just the two trades.
2: Oh, it's been bloody good to actually have some games of football to watch. There's been a bit – I don't have to wait till 4.50 on a Saturday afternoon for the first game to start.
0: Yeah all right well on that note i'll sign off with a little bit of harmony. just keep the camera rolling a little bit of nut bush we'll see you next week